0: getting to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. I'm gonna put ad credentials at the end like Esquire or something. But um, today I have the pleasure of speaking with the founder of three organizations geared towards social change, kinetics, collectivity, and the Black Theology Project. Please welcome Jamie Wooten. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks,
1: Rob. Pleasure being here with you.
0: Um, I'm, I'm happy to have you on. You feel like you're, you're a big get. You're a big get. I'm, I'm happy that I was able to secure it. It's like it's a version of securing the bag, but with a person. You
1: no, know? nah, I'm honored to be on with you,
0: man. Thank you. That's oh, totally. Nice. Totally. So uh, for those who are undipped, uninitiated, give us those vital statistics, those vital stats. What's your background and what inspired you to pursue your work?
1: Oh, man. Born here in Baltimore, I think much of sort of growing up in the black church tradition sort of shaped me in, in many ways. Um, my first sort of professional job was with collective banking groups were so working with over 200 churches in faith-based economic development. That sort of led me to kinetics was this sort of information ministry where now I do consulting around communications, digital strategy, issue issue education with faith-based organizations, theological organizations, movement-based organizations around the country. And then most like recently with... Uh, collectively, I think a lot about my dad. My dad grew up here in Baltimore. He had to drop out at eighth grade because he was the oldest and had to go to work. And, um, you know, he went on, was able to open five dry cleaners and several nightclubs in the city. And then my sister later on went to George Washington Law School and opened two pizza delivery stores in the city. But, you know, I lost my sister a few years ago at 56. I mean, at 53, my dad at 56. So I think a lot about, like, this culture of health and sort of how we are often, you know, seemed as resilient, but this sort of grind will take you out yeah. as well. And so for me now, like mobilizing resources, making sure black led organizations have what they need to survive and thrive is key um, to our community, but also like to to our health as well. And so that's important for me.
0: That's 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 important. I think having having those connections, very personal ones that you, you were describing there, just like, the 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 struggle the hassle shouldn't be there, and I kind of you know it's this notion I've been working with recently of we're we're not gonna wait for that that magic bullet, that magic keys no one's coming, the reinforcements aren't coming we have right. to be able to to do it ourselves, so if it you know is working within a community working within a network and being able to pull these things together, that's kind of what I see coming from 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 what your lot of what your work is um and so that kind of leads me to my my, my next question. Um, I find that people get frustrated in finding information on on resources and support for organizations and change. Um, I, from my vantage point, it's very decentralized. It's like, all right, I'm gonna go here and find this. Not not everyone is savvy enough to kind of do that um, that Google alert, you know, <laughs> of updates, uh, grants, or, or what have you. So so speak on some of the assets that are available um, through collectively.
1: Yeah, again, we we launched in 2019 to be a resource for those that seek to find, fund, and partner for Black social change organizations. Sort of the backstory was in 2015, after the murder of Freddie Gray, I came together with a coalition um, to form Baltimore United for Change. And it was during that time that we created the skills bank as an on-ramp for folks who weren't necessarily on the ground but they were trying to figure out how they could plug in so i'm a mental health provider i'm a lawyer i'm a teacher i'm a graphic designer like how might i be a part of what's going on and we had over 260 individuals and organizations join our skills bank we sort of used it internally as a coalition and the goal of collectively in 2019 was how could we create a more faith forward um, platform and by all black led organizations to uh, be a part of it. So now we have over sort of 140 organizations mapped by area focus and neighborhood. We also heard um, from foundations at that time that they didn't know where these black-led organizations were. So we said, okay, we want to take that excuse away. Let's create this platform so you can go and see and begin to search. But also for us, for the individual who may say, I want to start a mentoring program. And maybe there was no place before to do some due diligence to see maybe there's 10 mentoring programs in the community already. Maybe I should be partnering or collaborating or or finding my niche in the community. Uh, We also started with our our monthly Michael Grant where individuals could submit a two to three um, minute video. And the community at large votes. All of our grants have been no strings attached, trying to be somewhat disruptive in a philanthropic sector where it often comes with a lot of strings and a lot of paperwork. So we tell individuals, like, you can um, pay your rent if you need to pay your rent. You can um, go to spa if you need to go to the spa. Like, this truly no strings attached. We know that often our people have been pouring from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. Often those who are founded nonprofits are not paying themselves or paying themselves what they deserve. And so we want this to be as light as possible and say, like, look, we, we got your back. We support you. And we want to uplift and amplify the work
0: you're doing in the community. It's, it's very important. And going back, I want to talk about a little bit of like my observation. Maybe it's the same for you being you're from here. Baltimore is not huge, but it's very it's kind of weird how you you won't know someone in your same zip code that does this mm-hmm. very thing that you might be interested in. And uh, the other thing I've noticed that, that you're you're hammer on you know, a nail on the head uh the, the how to do some of these things is just isn't there. Like all of these strings that are attached, like I'm in this spot where this is a creative expression for me and I want to school for business, but when it comes to it, it's like those two things don't fire for me at the same time. Like I, I'm in this creative space and it's like, I don't want those two things to overlap. So sometimes the the paperwork is more of a challenge or there are strings attached that you're like, I don't know this. It's like, you should, it's like, how would I like we're just getting access to this, this sort of stuff and in this way. And I mean, there was um, information out there recently of how certain funds were reallocated because they recognized that it wasn't being put in the right places and it wasn't mm-hmm. being given out in an equitable way. So I, I think that there are certain elements of the, the phila- philanthropy like area that's kind of broken. Mm-hmm. And. So having a resource like what you're putting out there of here's the information, you know, and like and even going back to it, like you're saying, oh, if you need to pay your rent, if you need to, you know, have that spa day, that's part of the business going or or the nonprofit going. If you're stressed out, you might need that that, uh, spa day to kind of self-care, reconnect or, you know, recenter yourself. And a lot of times people might be doing their nonprofits out of their house. Like, look, I need to keep these lights on. (laughs) Sure. So it's, it's legit. And, you know, even my my space or what have you, I don't do it. But my like my house, I converted one of my bedrooms into a studio. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying, oh, let me you know tax this for this. It's just like I'm, I, I just do it. This is how I can move these things along. And I think as black folk. We're very resourceful in figuring things out. But sometimes the parameters of this this game that we're not aware of. We we don't know that we're in the game, let alone know how to play it. But once we know how to play it and having someone to kind of guide us through it. And I think that's what what ultimately what what, what the work you're doing is.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's important. I think we were going to launch in 2018 and I decided to um, enroll at the University of Pennsylvania and spent a year in this social impact strategy program. And while I was there, like, black folks have been doing this work. Like, we might not use the language, but we're doing the work. And so that's part of what we're trying to do, too, is, like, translate in ways in which to say, like, no, we've always doing this work. Like, someone might not call it social impact. They mm-hmm. might not say asset-based community development. They might not use whatever terminology they're using in foundations. Yeah. But, you know, I always say we start with impact. Yeah. right? And I know if you if you want to invest in folks that have impact, it's Black-led organizations that are in the community, that know the community and who mm-hmm. have been serving for, for quite some time.
0: And you know, outside of doing this, like I worked in, I worked for two pretty big nonprofits, one one big institution that has a nonprofit wing um, for probably about three years. And yeah, I I saw some, hey, be the face of this sister, (laughs) brother. And it's like, yeah, but this is not equitable. It's actually really weird here. And I think that that's another one of those areas of recalibration.
1: Yeah, we often see that. We often see, you know, the black face as that sort of
0: community liaison mm-hmm. program person, but not necessarily in the leadership role. Yeah, put put out that um that 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 nice brother or sister for Giving Tuesday, and let's have at it. <laughs> uh, so, going going back a little bit, you you talked about your your dad. You talked about your sister. Is, is there an experience maybe from that you look back on that? you look at as very informative or very influential that you kind of even that even helps you to this day like maybe a a piece of advice that you got when you were younger or maybe an experience that you are like yeah that's something that really stuck out to me and i still harken back on that to this day
1: yeah i think you know definitely my my father and my my family story entrepreneurship is one but also when i was early at the collective baking group i came across this book called the head negro in charge syndrome. And um, that led me to Ella Baker and her work around participatory democracy. And so it really was looking at working in the church, which is this hierarchical institution, really put me on the path of beginning to look at networks. Mm -hmm. I felt like in the church community, we weren't using the congregation, all the assets, all the tools that we had to the best of our ability. So I think it really was sort of that hidden Negro in charge syndrome got me started thinking about networks. So a lot of the way I sort of move is around how do we build decentralized mm-hmm. networks, knowing that we have all the gifts and talent we need in community and that these hierarchical institutions don't necessarily serve us well.
0: That's that's super legit. I, I think when, whenever there's something that's being, that's, that's bucking the trend or bucking the system, when there is a, a figurehead, a leader or what have you, or presented as a leader, It's easy to kind of have that thing crumble instead of just we're all responsible for what we're doing and kind of working within it. And I I see people, people viewing certain attentions as opportunity, like, oh, I need to be the face of this. I need to have myself attached to it. And that's not how it works. Like for for me, what really interests me and really drives me is how can we all do better? How can we all get better um it's not about me being the face of anything let's say for podcasting for sake of argument or black podcasters moreover i don't care about any of that it's much as like is this getting more more attention to the artists Is it getting more attention to the small business owner or the people doing good within the community and that's that's really what the payoff is for me it's like um what do i call it uh it's like public service in many ways that's how it feels to me yeah i mean for us like When we do
1: our monthly Michael Grant, one of the things you must do is um, insert a principle from the Nagusa Saba. So one of the seven principles of Kwanzaa. And like, that's our way of beginning to attempt to center principles as opposed to personalities. So what are these sort of principles that unify us as opposed to a sort of figurehead? And so that's the next work that we'll begin to move into as we move to year three, around how do we really begin, begin to begin to be intentional around the work
0: and center these values and principles to sort of build a stronger community values and principles what what really values and principles of what really is that that north star that guiding that guiding principle that really says oh are you when you get lost right what mm. brings you back to the the reasoning your source right. so the goal of this is baltimore 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 and i can always come back to it and secondarily artists small businesses things like that so when an episode doesn't go right or I have to try to bring someone in or it just isn't the most ideal situation, I can always go back to what's your purpose? Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And that, that always sounds true. That's how I know it's a true thing. That's it. I mean, principles is, is that's what guides
1: me. I think that's that's important that you sort of figure that out early on. And again, I think the reality is we are stronger together. And, and like, if you're trying to do this as an individual and just be the figurehead, um, has not worked out that well for us. I think that it, it really is the strength within the collective. So that's what we're trying our, our best to do.
0: Organization is key. And I, I think it's one of those things where you have the, 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 the conversation about the goalposts constantly moving and things of that nature. I, I think the reality is that some people kind of have to consider I, I, it's that we're already behind some of these things and these structures that are already there are, they're not overt as they used to be. Uh, they're more, uh, they're more covert and more nuanced that kind of prevent you from being able to succeed as, as a nonprofit or succeed in contributing to your community or what have you. Those things are kind of like baked in and they're mm-hmm. part of the structure as opposed to they're overtly telling you, nah, you can't have this.
1: That's right. Like even now, as we move into what some call woke marketing, right? We see <laughs> corporations that are now in social impact. Yeah. We have the budget to have a, a you know a compelling video that makes you emotional, but you know on the corporate side may not be do- about the work. Yeah. And so you know you can get a lot of mixed messages in, in and what's, in what's happening. So us sort of defining what our principles and values are and staying
0: true to that is extremely important. I like to troll that sometimes because I have a background in marketing before I went to uh, <laughs> to um, development and all. And I was like, yeah, how many takes was this? How many takes did you do for this commercial? Because <laughs> I don't think you really mean what you just said there. Yeah. So collectively works with many Black-led organizations, all oh, Black-led organizations within the community, including Creative Nomads, as I was saying before we got started. Yeah. So speak on how art brings the community together because a lot of Creative Nomads work is with Artistic institutions and such.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, we actually launched last year our Artists in Registry program called Collective Sound, right? Sort of curating the culture. Like music is so important. Again, my dad was a DJ and a club owner in the city, and it just brings people together. And it's, you know, you need a soundtrack. I will say we need a soundtrack for the, uh, for the movement. Yeah. And so we've been <laughs> um, blessed to be with Kaja Collective uh, for 12 months. In this artists and residency program, um, they've been recording out of Sunspot Studios, um, also with um, Blackwater Productions. So they're putting together this sort of um, mini series, web series around their work and it, their music, their art. You know what funding is like. All of that is being captured because uh, we have a lot of talent in Baltimore that always doesn't often. Just like community-based organizations get the type of resources and support they need. So. We're super excited about sort of launching this probably sometime early next year, and, and showing again the importance of art and the work, ways in which art has always been pivotal to to movement
0: building in our community. I like that the, the soundtrack to the movement. I like that. <laughs> and you're, so you're working with Cariz, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a guest on here. Um, it was, uh, it was uh, it, I was telling him, I was like, look, I am two thirds away from having the full cast of uh, Hey, Baltimore on here. I was like, look, I need to get like Rufus on what's happening. Let's make this happen.
1: You can red B Fly, his wife, too, is leading, um, production. So yeah, this is a great team at, over at Blackwater.
0: Yeah. I got to get over there. Um, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just, when you're putting out 7,000 podcasts a week, it's, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> people make fun of how many podcasts I'm putting out. But, um, I, I think, I think, uh, as it goes, we have a lot of people who are really just coming out of there b- being more available and more known. And I think that that's important. So in your work within the community, um, I, this this is a gem I'm looking for here. Uh, what's been your golden rule? Relationship.
1: Yeah, relationships that, you know, you must center relationships. A friend of mine said, um, what is it, relationships move at the speed of, social move. move at the speed of trust and relationships, you know, relationships move at the speed of trust, social move move at the speed of relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. So relationships is the key. So we launched and I always said, you know, we're going to spend our first two years deepening relationships, touching as many people as we can. And as we move into year three, um, become more intentional.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I think you can't skip relationships. And I think, you know, things happen in the city. A lot of times folks want to come together and say, you know, we are Baltimore, one Baltimore, and do the PR campaign without the hard work. Yeah of the relationships, dealing with some of the, the trauma, dealing with some of the, the ways in which Black communities have been historically disinvested, underdeveloped. So I believe in relationships. I used to say, you know, looking at networks, that ideology is the glue that holds decentralized organizations together. And now I'm saying, I think relationships trump ideology, because I've seen folks who share different ideological frameworks, but they're in relationship. Mm-hmm. Their community, they can say, Man, I don't mess with you on this, or you wrong about that. But yeah. it's the relationship that holds them together. And so I say put relationships first.
0: That's 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 a real gem. I think relationships are the foundation of things. Uh if if you don't have it, then you you you're not really working off of anything. You're you're working off something that I think an ideology can maybe evolve, right? But relationships can sure. too, but I think relationships are a little bit more inextricably connected in that way. So you know, you know somebody from here, or it's one of those things like, I don't know if you run into this, but I know that I do. If I find out someone's from Baltimore, I'm like, all right, I got to support you now. This is what it is. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things right there. It's, it's that relationship of being like, what part of Baltimore, east side or west side? They always had to do that
1: a little bit. We can wrestle with, with ideology when yeah. we're in relationship, but sometimes if you start with ideology, then it's like, well, I don't mess. I don't mess with Rob. That's a hard stop already. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's 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 huge. Um and yeah, just being there. Like there's a lot of people because you, you touched on woke marketing, I I'm gonna still that, I'm gonna use that conversation so much now. But it's kind of one of those things where you, you see people who are talking and they don't have boots on the ground, they don't have their ear to the street knowing what's going on. And what I try to pride myself on is being able to have crossover that I can talk to the the weird white folk or what have you, or the weird black folk, I can talk to just this this dude, that's like he, he, he might have have the cleanest record or have you and be able to talk to these women, talk to the queer, talk to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think it enables you to really establish those relationships because you're not soloing yourself. I think if you start okay. soloing yourself, then there's only so many conversations you can have. And then your reputation is what that is based on maybe really, really minimal, minimal information.
1: That's true. Like well, even when I, you know, I thought I was pretty connected. And as I started building out collectively, I started seeing my own silo. I started seeing like, oh, like there's people out here doing amazing work and they didn't just start yesterday. They've been, you know, with their head to the ground, just doing work. And so, yeah, you got to come out of your silos and touch as many people as you can. It's sort of another theory and um, network theory is around weak ties. Yeah. Weak ties versus strong ties. And it's, sometimes it says that, you know, you sort of exhaust your strong tie relationship. So you and I, we talk, Every day, therefore, you know, you know if I need a job, you know what what I what opportunities I might be looking for, but it's weak ties where those new opportunities often emerge. And so I also tell people like, make sure you put yourself in places with weak tie relationships, because those weak ties also have strong tie Mm -hmm. relationships and that's often where your new opportunities may emerge.
0: Yeah, because um, one of the things I'm, I'm learning and being in this spot and kind of learning everything on your own, you know, you're getting some support, but pretty much you have to be the one that does it. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think having some of those connections, which to your to your point feels like it's a small thing, not really that big. Don't talk to these people too regularly. And then it gets you access. You're like, oh. I got into this room with this major person because I had this smaller connection, but it may, I may have been a bigger connection for them and not even realize it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is, this is how this works. And it's kind of like unlearning bad habits. Cause I think networking or having relationships to me always felt like weird because I think people were abusing them and using them for, for gain, Mm -hmm. one-sided gain, instead of it being, it's not a quid pro quo kind of thing, but instead of being, Hey, you got something or that I can, you know, do or hey, I thought it was this opportunity, or approach you up in conversation. And I think this would really be a good connection point. And not really thinking about it like that and mm-hmm. doing it earnestly, but just doing it like, how can I gain moving on?
1: That's right. Sometimes for me, again, it's just building relationships as many as you can. And then there's moments when somebody says, Rob, do you know Rob? You should know Rob. <laughs> yeah. Right. And and other people begin to drop your name and put you in this situation. So for me, yeah, I don't like networking as a sort of transactional yeah. piece, but really like how are we building relationships with folks? And then when the more relationships you build, the more opportunities begin to emerge. Absolutely. Like I was, I was at an event last night, yeah. and sometimes just being in the space, it's like somebody sees you like, I've been meaning to call you. We need to do whatever. <laughs> yeah. like. And if it wasn't for that moment, like it probably just would have passed.
0: It's it's a podcast that I like um, where they review movies and uh, they have this segment called the uh, That Guy Award. And it's like, I don't know who this person is by name, but I've seen <laughs> him in a bunch of things. I'm falling into that, into the real life thing. It's like, that's the podcast guy. That's that tall podcast guy right there. I was like, Rob, hi. Uh, Tristan heart, <laughs> hi. <laughs> One of the goals of, of this podcast is to show Baltimore off, more authentically. Um, And and not in that black trauma way, like not to exclude it because that's part of the conversation, but really have discourse on maybe if we're going to talk about that, why? But also let's talk about the cool stuff. Let's talk about the creators. Let's talk about all this different stuff that's happening here. It's an effort to have more say in the narrative, not to necessarily change it because the narrative is what the narrative is, but I think it's very limited. Um, So when it comes to Baltimore, what do you think is missed by and large by the media?
1: And what I agree with that, like, narrative power is extremely important, and I believe narrative power goes hand-in-hand hand with resource mobilization, because sometimes, you know, what you think of the community, they say, well, we can't give them a, a, a grant too large. We can't give them a multi-year commitment. And so the numbers that we see, the fact that black-led organizations only receive 2% out of the $60 billion of foundation fund, part of that is, is narrative work. Yeah, It's white supremacy, racism, but it's also... It's also narrative, the stories that we are being, being told. Um, but to me, there's many amazing stories happening. Uh, again, I was part of Baltimore United for Change um, in 2015. What emerges out of that is Heber Brown and the Black Church Food Security Network is birthed by connecting black farmers to black churches, uh, first from in Maryland, Eastern Shore, and now he's hitting North Carolina and other parts of the country doing amazing work. Um, Since 2015, I believe C-5 was birthed after that. I believe definitely We Are Us, the Black Arts District. Like, it's so much that's happening just since 2015 that often these stories aren't told on nightly news. And I think it's important that, you know, programs like yours that we continue to amplify, uplift, and tell our own stories because, like, our people need to hear it. Every time we give out a, a Michael Grant, what I hear more than anything is thanks for seeing me. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing. Like, thanks for seeing me. Like, check is good, but it's just good to know that people acknowledge that that I'm here yeah. and that I've been putting in work.
0: That's, that's big. Um, I, I remember getting very interested in what was happening around the time of uh, the town halls and all of this stuff before. Um, I think when, when Brandon Scott was on the campaign trail. And I just remember remember like, watching it and sitting there and my day job, I'm a data analyst and listening to like some of the rhetoric. And I was like, not, not necessarily for him per se, but just generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're saying things to scare these folks here. I was like, this room is aged. I was like, mm-hmm. they're not I was like, he's a property owner. So it's like all of this, I, I just see all of the rhetoric mm-hmm. there and it was just like blowing my mind. And it was a reflection of what's on the, on, on, on the news nightly. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, you got 30 minutes, you got an hour, whatever it is. I was like, so you're going to put 15 minutes towards sports. So right there, then you have like another 15 minutes of commercials. So it's literally the news about Baltimore city is about 30 minutes of people died. And it's mm-hmm. like, you ha- like, to your point, you have all of these different things here, and we only want to cover this this portion of it and it's like I understand it it's it's important that it's covered because there there is that issue within the city but you 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 have the news every night, so not one time where we're going to cover wow, this great event's happening in the black Art, arts district or hey u b Blake did this um the u b Blake Center had this going on, or any of these various things, these gallery openings, any of that stuff, and it gives this impression that. We don't have any of it here, but it's, yeah. it's false.
1: <laughs> it's very
0: false. I mean, it's, it's,
1: it's a ton, again, that's happening. I mean, we received $200,000 from um, Calais Campbell, the NFL man of the year. Yeah. He's a Baltimore Raven. And, and, you know, before the announcement, I was like, I wonder how, like, local media is going to handle this situation. Like, it's not a, you know, a Jamie Wooten press release. Yeah. It's coming from Rockefeller Foundation. It's Kalaiz Campbell. He's a Raven. Yeah, I would say, like, most of the local media did not touch it. Yeah. So here's a story in the midst of COVID. It's a COVID story. It's a Black Lives Matter story. It's a business story. It's a sports story. Yeah. Crickets, yeah. for the most part, that a Baltimore Raven invested $200,000 in a Black-led organization.
0: And and it's it's wild because, like, I, I run into it, I always talk about, like, uh, at least I used to early in the pod, um, like, who's the, the representative of, of Baltimore? And it used to be, the question used to be, who is the Black representative of pop culture in Baltimore? And... Mm-hmm. I was like, we don't really talk about when we try to reach and try to stretch for it. It's because we're not gassing ourselves up in that way. We're not celebrating those wins that are happening here, but we want to really focus on where the shortcoming is at. And that, to me, you know, with the Calais camp, that's a huge story. Like when I went on the site to do some research, because you know, I I try to research. uh, That's the first thing I saw. I was like, that's my man's right there. And you know, it's it's great. It's great that that's happening. And to me, it's almost when that information is out there people are competitive. Athletes are competitive by nature. So it's like, I'm going to donate 300. It's like, all right, (laughs) man, go do your thing. Keep, keep going. And and that's what I always
1: say. Like beyond the money, it was leveraging like, who is, Yeah. Other exposure. And for folks who are looking to like bet collectively, should I be putting my money over here? Like that was a, that was a big win. We always say he could have, Made an easy check and said, I'm putting in, you know, the Boys and Girls Club or the Y, yeah. you know, but to spend time with us and invest in basically a startup Black-led organization was important.
0: One of the things I talk about in, in in doing this and trying to get this this wave of consciousness out there, don't like my stuff, share my stuff, endorse my stuff. That's an endorsement. That's a rousing, like, it's it's a large monetary endorsement, but it's still an endorsement and sure. when someone's attaching their name and their credibility to something that holds some weight and people don't see it cuz we gotten too too far into this whole like culture and all of that it's like no endorsements that's important uh so this is the last question i have before i get into rapid fire okay when people are doing work um being in the community is not often seen or, or is heard and uh these opportunities so it's not often seen or is heard but change happens when these opportunities present themselves have you had to say no to an opportunity, and why did you decide to say no?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I always say, like, my
0: saying the foundation is partnership, not paternalism.
1: That again, we are looking to be in relationships with um, organizations, individuals, as well as foundations that want to be a resource to Black-led organizations. But um, we're not dealing with strings, and so sometimes we have to walk away from tables. I always say. You know, we hear that foundations are risk-averse. I said, well, we're risk-averse, too, mm-hmm. that, you know, we have a community that we must be accountable to. Uh, we want to be transparent to the community. And so there's some opportunities that I have to walk away from. I have big brothers and sisters who remember when mm-hmm. so-and-so foundations didn't do so well or show up in community. And if I'm at these tables now, like, I got to honor that and be transparent and accountable. So there's definitely some tables I walked away from.
0: And authenticity is here. We have long memories, and um, it's it's big. Um, when like I I know that I do it. It's like yeah, you know this person's so great, cool. But you remember this? <laughs> That's literally how I operate because I I want the full thing. I don't want part. I want the full thing out there. And um and I think just trying to be fair, trying to be tactful and mindful of it, but definitely knowing this might be great, but in terms of like money or exposure or whatever the thing is. But really, it's like at the end of the day, is this going to do more harm than good? And what what are the optics around it? Because that's that's all things to take in consideration.
1: Yeah, You have to like trust is, you know, particularly I always say our social capital mm-hmm. is something that I think sometimes black folks don't value as much. And we got to really value that. Like don't take photos with everybody. Don't don't like imp- hold on to your social capital and, and use that in a way that leverages um, resources and support your community again i think sometimes we give that way to the point you were making even early on of you know having that job where the black is the community mm-hmm. representative even though the institution may not be doing well by the community so we got to value our social capital
0: i see it all the time we're in this pursuit of, of chasing the bag and me and um me and one of my peers we were talking about the like proliferation of commercials and all of that stuff where black folks getting the bag quote unquote but it's like with fast food and all of this stuff and it's like oh so they're they're not even they're not even hiding it now it's like oh yeah get this this hot sauce on these uh, new Popeye sandwiches or there's a migos meal here or it's like be be better be better at yeah. your marketing don't don't be so overt with it
1: <laughs> everybody
0: trading on our culture absolutely we just got to value it more because everybody's trading on it. yeah it's just like look i i hope that check was worth it you know <laughs> uh so this is, this is the last thing I have here. These are my rapid fire questions. Um, I need
1: nothing rapid, so this is going to be hard for me.
0: No, no, no. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Uh, so the rapid fire questions, they're essentially, um, they're, they're questions. that's like kind of, you know, do you like this? Do you not like this uh, kind of questions? And in that, uh, you don't need to provide any extra context unless you really want to. All right. Favorite movie. I told you I was going to ask you this too.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's all. You know, all I think back is in childhood and what comes up is, is Greece. Okay. That, that's, <laughs> that's a goal that, that we watched 10,000 times. So
0: I'm going to stick with Greece. Now, this one is a little longer, but is, I think you can still get what I'm going for here. Where's your favorite place, destination, or country to recharge? Where do you get that energy from? You need to like take a step away and then you're like, all right, I got some energy from being there.
1: Wow, uh, I would say um, Belize.
0: Okay. Last book you read? Um, impact networks. What is your guilty pleasure? Mm. I don't know if you're a pastry guy. I, I don't know what, what we're talking here. It's like I love double chocolate chip cookies, uh, Reese's peanut peanut butter cups. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good yeah. one. That's that's, that's class <laughs> A right there. Um. Personally speaking, what is your motto about the, your motto in life?
1: Uh, well, to, even to this point, my basketball coach used to say, "Be quick, but don't hurry." So it's understanding the urgency of now, but taking the time to do it right. I do it.
0: Last question: coffee or tea? Coffee. All right. I'm sub question. How you take your coffee?
1: Uh, a little bit of cream. There's a little hazelnut cream in, in there. Okay. All right. I,
0: I, I was I was going to tell you to go get the Rob Lee. Next time you're in the city, you go to like sophomore or something. That's just uh, a, okay. a cold brew, cinnamon, little simple syrup.
1: Okay. Rob Lee. I'm yeah,
0: gonna get, get the Rob Lee. It, 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 it <laughs> trolls the owner, but he'll, he'll he's going to put it on the menu eventually because people have been going to ask it now. <laughs> okay. Let's do that. Let's, let's campaign for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's all the questions I have, Jamie. Um, so for for you, I want to invite you to um, plug, plug, plug away. Um pitch it out there. Like where can they um, find more about you, your work and on social media online. And, and thank you again for coming on to this podcast.
1: No, thanks for the invitation. Everything is collectively C-L-L-C-T-I-V-L-Y. You also can get to the website. We get black.com, blackledbartimore.com. We try to make it easier. So it's collectively spelled a little bit different. Um, every year in August is black. Philanthropy Month. we do a 24 hour day of giving this last year. We raised hundred thousand dollars in 24 hours hours. You know, we also have a Giving Circle, so you can be a part of our Giving Circle. Um, we have currently about 60 members, so you can join uh, for about $360 a year, and that community together um, decides where those funds will go. Uh, we have events online, Course Conjures' um, piece will be coming out in January, our Artists and residency program, so just stay tuned. To collectively, we're also posting events we adding new donation features for all our organizations on the site, as well as the ability for them to post their events. So just stay tuned to Collectively.
0: So there you have it, folks. I want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast. And I'm going to do my wrap up here. So for Jamie Wooten of Collectively, I am Rob Lee saying that there is there are resources in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for them.